Welcome back into another episode of Behind the Bench with Carter Eckel. This is episode 77. I'm your host, Carter E. Joined as always by my producer, Jeff Mulvihill Jr. of InstaImage.com. Jeff, busy weekend for us in the uh, high school sports coverage scene. All sorts of regional coverage to get to, um, plus a, a rule change we got in high school hoops. Uh, we'll get into that more later as we get closer to high school basketball season, but might be worth discussing here uh, early on. Of course, before we go any further, would like to thank today's sponsor, uh, Played Against Sports in the Topsy Lane Shopping Center, your best place to go for new and gently used sporting equipment needs. You can find them online at www.playedagainstsports.com or, as I said, in the Topsy Lane Shopping Center. Jeff, I will start with regional softball because, I mean, how can we not? For the second year in a row, Douglas High, regional champs. I don't think that came as a surprise uh, to many people business this too. year. Yeah, uh, they only gave up three runs in the whole regional tournament. All three of those came in the championship game. They pitched four straight shutouts from that final regular season game against Carson through the first three rounds of regionals, and then, oddly enough, gave up the first three runs to Reed, which is what led to my intro of maybe there was a little bit of doubt. Maybe. Probably not. Maybe. Uh, they proceeded to score 16 straight runs after that. Uh, they have outscored opponents 312 to 67 this year, which I'm trying to find a scope to just how ridiculous that is. Because that's basically 5 to 1. And that is a that is a margin that you just really do not see in any sports unless a team's just absolutely dominant and I don't know how Max Preps makes their state rankings. Douglas is number one in the state um, as of now. In the state tournament, they will take on Palo Verde in that opening round Thursday. Uh, Centennial is the number one seed to come out of the South. They were the 5A South the regional champs. They will obviously play Reed in the opening round. Uh, I think the biggest news from the South that uh, anybody who has not read any of my stories online yet um We'll know that both one seeds from the Class 5A South Regional lost. They will not be at the state tournament. They were two two seeds um, in Centennial and Palo Verde. Obviously, that means last year's regional champion in, or excuse me, last year's state champion in Green Valley is out. Uh, the Green Valley team was the one that came back from down one game to zero against Douglas in that state final. Um, I pretty much told every person I interviewed. Saturday, I was like, I haven't asked this question on purpose because obviously you have to get to state and you can throw all the cliches you want at me in early March about winning state and getting back to state and thinking about last year, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but it's obvious there. It's it's in there. It's in their minds a little bit, uh, probably more of a lot of it than a little bit. But I mean, just what an impressive run from from this team. 30 and 4, 16 and 0 in league, obviously didn't lose in the regional tournament. Uh, in the year, winning 22 straight games in a row. So they were 8-4, and four, and obviously some of those losses came from out of state. And then 8-4 uh, and four and then didn't lose again. I believe that they haven't lost since March, um, if I'm not mistaken. So truly just an, a, a super impressive uh, team, top to bottom. Um, I just, it was honestly hard to try to fit everything in the 
championship story because they tallied 19 hits. I mean, they scored 16 runs. Almost everybody on the team had at least a hit or two. <laughs> like everybody was worth mentioning in some some form or fashion. Add on to the fact that they've now tied the Nevada state record for home runs in a season as a team all time. They've got 60. Uh, that ties a 2017 Palo Verde team. Now, granted, Douglas did it in 33 games. Palo Verde hit that 60 mark in 43 games. So Oof. Douglas has kind of blown them out. That record-setting team kind of blown them out of the water uh, this year. They have a team batting average of 428. <laughs> and seven different players hitting over 453. So until you get to the bottom 8-9 in the lineup, you're not running into anybody who's hitting worse than 453. So... Uh, you don't really have any options to pitch around anybody. I mean, you can, but you're going to run into somebody else who's capable of doing some serious damage. I mean, you got leadoff hitter Haley Wilkinson, who's tied for the team lead in home runs with 12. Uh, I should also mention she has six triples and 11 doubles to her name. So fifty of those 51 hits, she's got 29 extra base hits, uh, which is insane. Zora Simpson has nine home runs. She's got 16 doubles. Uh, Talia Trenton, 12 homers, 11 doubles and a triple. Bree Williams, 8 homers. Cam McClellan, 8 homers. Dakota Till, 4 homers. Lillian Lee, 6 homers. Even freshman Peyton Simpson got in on it. She's got one. All this team does is hit. Oh, yeah. Did, did, did I forget to mention they have two Division One starting pitchers? <laughs> was, that, was, that a, was that a statistic I left out when I said all this team does is hit? Uh, they've allowed 46 earned runs and 192 innings a pitch, which is just like I chuckle because it's just it's absurd. I mean, Mackenzie Willis has a 1.62 ERA. Not to be outdone, Tyler Tretton is a 1.72 ERA, you know, margins. Uh, Tretton has 174 Ks to 38 walks, while Willis has 144 Ks to 31 walks. They don't allow any base runners. They don't allow many runs, and they hit the snot out of the ball. I mean, it's a pretty good recipe for success. I tell you what. Well, and to credit to them, something John talked about last week, they they put the work in, mm-hmm. and it is showing. I mean, this is this is a prime example of you put the work in, you're going to get your results. And man alive, there that's so impressive. Their year, even this far. So I'm I'm. I mean, everybody's rooting for him now. Yeah, and I mean, that will be the name of the episode here. Hard work pays off because it's going to be a theme. You're going to hear it again because I've got more on that coming um, from some other athletes who qualified for state that, um, you know, have some impressive, impressive uh, feats of work ethic, honestly, to get to where they were. And, uh, you know, I could go, I think I could go on and on about this, this Douglas team. And obviously we had John Glover on the episode last week, but obviously got to lead with. The fact that they will be going to the state tournament this coming weekend, which is at the University of Nevada, Reno at Hickson Park. Um, Just I mean, it's on campus, but like just across the railroad tracks. So kind of off campus, kind of on campus. You'll you'll find it. Navigation in 2023 is not not terribly difficult. Into your phone. Um, They will likely run into Palo Verde and Centennial. Uh, at some point or another uh, in this this state tournament. It's going to depend, obviously, on how things play out. But uh, that first game against Palo Verde will be Thursday at 245. Um, pretty much the other first-round game is follow, follows that at 5. The semifinals and all the consolation bracket will be Friday. 
and then that final championship game will be Saturday, and then they will play game two if necessary. Because um, obviously with it being double elimination, somebody's got to lose twice for it to it to end. Uh, Douglas knows that. So yeah. they are um, fully prepared. I did not expect them to have many issues in the regional tournament, and they didn't. Um, and so we'll see how that shakes out. Palo Verde is 18 and 10 this year. Uh, Centennial is something along the lines of like 24 and 8 from the last I looked. Um, based off Max Preps rankings, they were fourth and fifth in the state, obviously with uh, Green Valley and Shadow Ridge, your two one seeds in Vegas being two and three. So lots of coverage going on there. Be sure to check it all out online, www.nevadapeel.com backslash news backslash sports. Um, I know that softball recap's been up for a couple days, that championship run, but uh, you know they're getting a, a front page spread in the record courier too. Yeah. So be sure to be sure to check that out there. Um, I will get to track and field in a second, but <clears throat> I do want to run through some regional swimming results we got. Uh, like I said, it's going to fit the theme here. Um, I will get to Douglas, but let's switch over to Carson High here uh, real quickly, who sent um, two seniors to state in all four events they swam in. Uh, more than just the two seniors, but I'm going to start with with Cole Bennett and Austin Shim, who was able to uh, actually chat with at the end of the Class 5A North regional meet on Saturday when I wasn't, you know, in multiple places at once, which I try. Um, but yeah, I was able to get to regional swimming, which I was happy about. Got a chance to talk to uh, two senator seniors as well in, uh, in Cole Bennett and Austin Shim. And uh, honestly, what struck me most is a, obviously, they were really good friends because they were they were teasing each other the whole time through the interview, which is which is fun. Um, and <laughs> it might be the first interview where I've had a kid swear and not been like, "Ooh, ooh my bad, oh, sorry." Uh, <laughs> he just just kept rolling. Uh, but Cole Bennett qualified in the fifty uh, yard freestyle. Um, this is really what the two kind of played off each other on. Was uh, Cole says he hasn't dropped his personal best time in the fifty yard freestyle in over a year. Yeah, apparently he's wor- they swim all year long and he's gotten gotten to that point where you kind of you know you, it's going so well you kind of plateau almost and uh quote here you know it feels good to come in such a such a high placing it's still a little jarring to me that i actually dropped time the last time that i dropped in this event was over a year ago ever since then i've been trading every day and i kept going slower to be able to finally break that i'm just incredibly glad that everything i did leading up to this wasn't a waste like that's that's really cool and uh it's it's a level of introspection, I think, that you don't always get from kids under 18, which is which is not a knock, right? I mean, I certainly didn't have much of that uh, at 17, 18 years old, but really cool to see to see what it meant to them. Uh, so Bennett's going in the 50-yard uh, freestyle where he won the event. He also tied with Douglas High's Calvin Stevenson in the 100-yard freestyle. I didn't realize when you went to hundreds of a second like i mean i knew ties are possible right it's it's possible but 47.12 like they tied i don't i don't know if you can get more specific than that with the way they they are timing things at these high school meets uh but congrats to both of them they are headed to state in those two events <clears throat> between stevenson and bennett there um like i said those those guys are training year round for for this and um it's they, you could tell they were they were they were gushing pretty good once uh, once they knew what what it had meant. 
Uh, Austin Shim was second in the 50-yard freestyle, obviously behind teammate Cole Bennett, uh, and then second in the 100-yard butterfly. Uh, he's kind of had the opposite in the 100-yard butterfly to Bennett. He said all of a sudden he's been shaving off time in the last couple days, and he doesn't <laughs> didn't really know where it came from. He said he dropped his personal best by almost three seconds over the last week uh, in the 100-yard the butterfly. They also qualified in the 200 and 400 yard freestyle relays along with sophomore Leaf Morway and freshman David Del Fiorentino. I hope I said that last name right. So congrats to those four. As a team, Carson High, the boys at least were fourth. Uh, the girls were sixth for the Senators and kind of in a, an equal boat there. We're able to send um, a couple athletes as individuals and then a couple couple relay teams as well. Junior uh, Alexandra Lamas Cruz was second in the 200 yard freestyle. Freshman Larkin Russell was right behind her, taking third in the same event. They will both go to state in that one. Uh, Larkin Russell went on to take fourth in the 500 yard freestyle, so she will make state there. Uh, Junior Bryn Russell was fourth in the 200 yard IM which secured her a spot at state. Katerina Klatt uh, was second in that 100-yard butterfly along with Lamas Cruz, so they both qualify there. And then those four met in the 200- and 400-yard freestyle relays as well, and they qualified on that end of things there. Um, As I alluded to just a second ago, Kevin Stevenson from Douglas qualified in the 100-yard freestyle, tying with Cole Bennett. he was third in the 200-yard freestyle last year and came back to came on to win it this year. Uh, and Calvin Stevenson, Liam Jones was fourth in the 100-yard butterfly. Gracie Goss and Cami Jaris, I hope, is uh, were qualifiers for the girls as well. They are joined by Sweet Pea uh, Vieira and Kiera Duffy in the 200-yard freestyle relay and 400-yard freestyle relay as well. Alan Baker, Austin Pitts, and McKenna Chapel all qualify for Douglas Diving as well. So good stuff there from our uh, local swimming athletes. State for that will be here in the north. It'll be back at Carson Aquatic Center. So uh, I don't... You know they say they say a track right. You know what the track feels like. Do you know what? Do you know what a pool feels like? Is that a is that a thing? Can you can you adjust? Can you adjust to water? Like I feel like it's pretty universal. Obviously, depth for pools is different, but but I, would it? Like I don't understand. So I've shot a lot of swimming at Douglas at, at the Carson Valley Swim Center because the Dolphins do their their summer event. And that open end of the pool at Carson always intrigues me because I know they have the lane lines and the the, the little plastic things that separate the lanes, but that's got to have some effect on what lane you're in. With that, with that entire other end of the pool is open versus the person on the on lane one is against the wall, and I'm just curious. Well, that's a really good point because the height, at least. Okay, so I don't know this for high school swimming because I'm not on enough of the beginning of the meets, but I do believe it's this way where you're seated inside out, much like track, right? Yeah, so yeah fastest in the middle. Uh, yeah, lanes four and five, and then, yeah. you know, kind of go in reverse out, out wide. And so based off what you just said, I would think that, yeah, maybe you don't want to be up against a wall, right? Because you have extra 
pressure, I yeah, guess, I mean, extra I'm just, force. I'm curious I, if it has. I don't know. It is, you know, it's it's the outer lanes, so the fastest kids are in the middle. So, but I, I'm I'm always very curious with at the Carson Pool about that. I have a bit of a mechanical mind in that sense because you know that's that's the way I like to look at baseball and all these other sports. Is just like you know how can how can how can you change things so incrementally, but it makes a difference and. Yeah, I'm sure that's got to be one. That's, I think, I mean, for me, I imagine that's entirely just lack of knowledge of the sport. I mean, I tried to play everything I could as a kid, but uh, on land. I, I wasn't much of a swimmer. I was not not much of a swimmer uh, at all. I will readily admit that. I can swim. That is, that's not an issue. Just not fast. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get get to where I need to go. Just, yeah, that's, you know, that's, at my own pace. Yeah. It's hard work. Those kids are so oh, yeah. impressive. So impressive. And it's a whole body thing, too. Oh, it's yeah, not. Absolutely. Well, that's why you're talking about the 200 butterfly. That is brutal. I mean, that's a lot. And th- that motion and yeah. and the, the whole, like you said, the whole body. I mean, get in the pool and dog paddle around a little bit just so you don't sink. But these kids are going 200. Yeah. I can tread water like it's my job. Yeah. Well, the <laughs> number of lengths of having to go back and forth and back and forth. And that's it, just, it's really impressive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Flipping over to track and field here. Um, I don't know if it came as a surprise to anybody at Sierra Lutheran based off of conversations I had with uh, some of their athletic members there. But the boys and girls both take home Class 1A North Regional team titles in track and field. Uh, The boys are defending champs, so now back-to-back regional champs. Girls were third last year, didn't stop them this year. They bested Wattel by three-and-a-half team points. Uh, The boys' side was not close. The Falcons scored 151 points. Second place, Mineral County, had 107. So lots of qualifiers for the Falcons going on to the state meet, which will be at Liberty High School in Henderson, Las Vegas, or somewhere around there. Um, <laughs> there's, there's, there's the Northern Nevada bias we're looking for. I don't know, somewhere down there. Just who, who, who cares? It's in Vegas. Yeah, who cares? Um, uh, let's see. If, do I want to run through all these names? There's a lot of. There's a lot. I'll, I'll highlight some stuff here because there's a lot of names. Again, you can find these all online at www.nevadapeel.com/backslash/news/backslash/sports, along with photos. Um, we'll also be in Wednesdays. Uh, newspaper as well. That one should be pretty full of of regional sports. I know Saturday's issue was also uh, chock full of stuff as well. Um, in the 100 meter dash in the 1A, Flynn Scheibe, David Immen, and Hunter Rolat went 1 2 3 for uh, the Falcons. So all three picked up a bunch of team points there. Uh, the 200 wasn't much different. Rolat was second, Scheibe was third, and Nathan Tack was fourth. Uh, however, only the top three um, finishers in 1A qualify for state. Everything else is top four. So Tack didn't make it in the 200. However, uh, he did qualify in the 400 with a second place finish there while his Shivey was third. Um, and then the Falcons relay teams crushed, and so did a lot of those distance runners. Rollat turned around and won the regional title in the discus throw as well with a toss of 117.9. On the girls' side, the Falcons qualified in all four relays, 4x1, 4x2, 4x4, and 4x8, with a host of different uh, squads there. Sage Gregory punched her ticket in the 800, 1600, and 3200, which... I know they ran it over two days, but again, let's talk about other things that are very impressive. You know, let's just casually compete in 5,600 meters worth of 
running for uh, and, and to do that well and all <laughs> yeah wow Caleb Carpenter's going to state in the 400 uh, as well um, again lots of names to run through there I won't, won't get to them all but again you can find all those names in the newspaper uh, Carson and Dayton had had some tougher finishes but also sent some kids to state I know uh, the Carson track team was dealing with some injuries this season that that had some kids not be able to even compete at the regional meet uh, the girls were seventh, while the boys were ninth in the Class 5A North side of things. Dayton was eighth in the girls' side, 3A, and tenth there. Uh, freshman Hannah Budd for Carson qualified in the 800 meters, where she was fourth. She just missed the mark in the 1600. Kaylin Bloomfield qualified in the 300-meter hurdles. And then the Carson High 4x8 team of Bud, as I mentioned, Jenny Ponzog, Vea Minor, and Brianna Rodriguez-Nunez are headed to state there as well. Not done because Douglas had quite the meet. The girls were second overall as a team um, in the 5-8 North meet. The boys were seventh. Um, I was joking because I with Bliss Moody because I talked to her basically every event we go to nowadays, and I'm going to have a story coming out this fall. I can already tell you what the headline is. It's going to be, sports what can't about. Bliss Moody do? Yeah, all year long. We've been all talking about year her. long. She's got school records and track. She's one of the, she is the first wrestler medal winner in Reno Worlds or the Sierra Nevada Classic. I don't remember which one in Douglas High History. And there's more coming. Um, like I said, only a sophomore. She qualified for state in all four events she was in, the 200-meter, the 4x1, the long jump, and the high jump. Uh, the long jump is one of those events she holds a school record in. She did not match that mark, but was pretty close at the regional event with a mark of just under 17-1. Uh, I do believe 17-1 is the, is the school record she set there. In the high jump, she was second with a clearance of five feet even. Um, Ava Coons qualified in three different events, the junior uh, Tiger there. She was third in the 100-meter hurdles. Her sister will join her in the 300-meter hurdles uh, as she qualified for state. Ava will join Bliss Moody and Logan Karwaski in the high jump as well. Uh, Elizabeth Knighting had quite the impressive triple jump. I spoke to her after she uh, landed in the sand. Her PR going into her final jump at regionals was 34-1 in the triple jump. Any guesses on what the final number was she put out? For the record, Jeff has no idea what number, but obviously 34-1, you get a general ballpark. But what do you think she jumped in her last her last jump? 36. Okay, I think I set you up for failure there. 34-8, which is, That's to add seven inches, just kind of out of nowhere on a in a in your yeah. last your potentially last jump of the season, wow. she'll head to state in that event where she was third, I believe, and um, got a quote from her in there. Uh, this is her first year doing track too, so pretty <laughs> and impressive. She started with triple jump, <laughs> pretty impressive for a junior uh, from Douglas. There, they had 119 points, finishing only behind. Uh, Galena with 141. Would be remiss if I didn't get to some of those throwers as well. Sophia Marshute won the uh, regional crown in the shot put with a throw of just over 35 and a half feet. Megan Strand was third in both the shot put and the discus. Dylan Spear Holub qualified in the 110 and 300 meter hurdles. And Douglas's boys 4x2 and 4x8 squad will head to the 
state meet as well. That again, that class five, I think the entire state meet, never mind. I know the entire state meet is down in Las Vegas. So that's going to do it for our high school hoop. Or <laughs> we're getting to high school hoops. That's going to do it for our regional coverage from this past weekend. Real quickly before we get out of here, I just want to add that the NFHS made this change uh, yesterday. Yesterday's a Monday. Today we're taping Tuesday around 10, 15 in the morning. Um, there's no more one-on-one in, the, in high school basketball across the nation. It is all 50 states will now be in the double bonus. So the biggest change there is fouls will now reset by quarter. Uh, for those of you familiar with the way high school basketball used to be, it was 10 fouls and a half. Once you hit the seventh foul, seven, eight, nine, or one and one, uh, where you, you shot one free throw if you missed, you know, live ball. If you made it, you got another one. Uh, that changes now. There, that will not be. There will no no more one and ones in high school high school basketball. Uh, fouls will reset by quarter now. Once you get to the fifth foul in each quarter, teams will go straight to the double bonus. So you go straight to shooting two free throws. So. I did ask around, uh, ask some coaches about what they thought about this. Uh, I told them it wasn't for the story, so I won't put any names on anything. Not that anybody said anything real jarring. Um, but some mixed opinions here early on. Um, will it slow the game down? Uh, does more free throws necessarily? I don't know if we're looking for like entertainment product at high school necessarily, but like, does more free throws equal more entertainment? I know it's going to potentially be a higher score, but... I don't know if free throws equals fun. Um, <laughs> let's let's be honest. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I, it's you know it's the way uh, women's college basketball does it now. Um, I know women's college basketball kind of switched to it to help increase scoring. The NFHS cited um, rebounding injuries in the first quote after they announced it, saying that you know the rebound on a miss on the one and one. Um, more injuries happen in high school basketball and rebounding, which there's still going to be quite a bit of rebounding in high school basketball. It's just not going to be on free throws. So, or on one free throw, it'll be on the second one. So I'm, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure they have some data to back that up. I'm sure it's not just completely out of thin air, so but just removing that opportunity during the game that, so they probably just counted the one and ones that they had. And there was a level of drama with the one and one, right? As we course. were discussing, pre-show here if you're down three or four and you're fouling a team to put them on the free throw line and it's your seventh team foul and they got a one and one and they miss the front end you get the ball back and it's basically a turnover whereas now they you know let's say your high school kids shooting 50 percent like two free throws you should be getting one on law averages you be getting a point every time you go to the free throw line so yeah i don't know i don't have a hard stance on it yet it's not going to change the the overall product you're watching like a, a huge deal. You're not going to show up to a high school basketball game in this winter and be like, what is this? Uh, yeah, yeah. It'll be still pretty similar, but I don't know. I, I think I just need to see it. I mean, obviously, I've watched women's college basketball, but I need to see it at a high school level to yeah. to be sold. I I, I don't know. I'll, you know, of course, people have to my mentions, and they were like, why'd they do this? Why didn't they do the shot clock? Well, a lot of states already have the shot clock. This was a all 50 state, you know, mandate mandate. So this is, this is not the shot clock still, th- still could be a thing, but that's going to have to be a Nevada decision. This was a uh, United States, the high school federation. Um, so 
I don't know. I uh, I don't know how many times can I be like indifferent on the topic. It makes for great great podcast material. I know. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. So <laughs> I'm actually probably shouldn't say something like this, but I'm curious if someone's gonna make the mistake and we end up with a one-on-one situation and then they realize that it's, <laughs> oop, no, we're not doing that anymore. <laughs> yeah. And you, you mentioned a little bit before now that you got two free throws and in theory, you know, I think most kids are shooting 50% from the free throw line. So you should be getting a point. How much more does the, who you foul oh, conversation yeah. come into your, your timeouts and late game scenarios of, Hey, we need to make sure that so-and-so touches the ball because so-and-so is only shooting. 48% from the line. Yeah. If you let the point guard get it, I was shocked last he's probably going to hit both. I was really shocked at the end of the season last year that who some of the teams were choosing to foul. Now you're putting a kid that's shooting the lights out on the line. What are you – that's not how this works. Yeah, and sometimes you, point. sometimes you don't have a choice, right? Sometimes you got to foul a guy with the ball because right. you don't have a choice. But, yes, overall I'm with you that – Maybe don't maybe don't foul like I shoot ninety two percent from the free throw line. That, that's, that's not good. <laughs> and maybe fouling the the Steph Curry equivalent isn't uh, isn't isn't a recipe for success. But anyways, that's gonna do it for episode seventy seven of Behind the Bench. Thank you all for listening. Thank you today's sponsor in Played Against Sports. You can check them out in the Topsy Lane Shopping Center or online at www.playedagainstsports.com. Your best place to go for gently used or new sporting equipment needs. As always, thanks to my producer, Jeff Mulvihill Jr. of instaimage.com. Uh, lots of good photos floating around from Regional Weekend. You can also check them out from our other photographer, Ron Harpin, rahphotosnv.com there. Uh, otherwise, plenty of coverage coming online, nevadapeel.com, recordcourier.com. We'll catch you guys next week. Take it easy.